It's time we face a prehistoric threat that's going to chew you up and spit you out or else leave you with a lifetime of crippling trauma. Capitalism! So hold on to your butts. You're going to need a bigger boat. Today's episode is Jaws versus Jurassic Park. It's me. everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Movie Deja Vu, the podcast that answers the question, didn't I see this somewhere? From two movie aficionados. I'm Shady, the smug suit designed to be hated by the audience, and with me is my co-host John, the local hunter with a deep and abiding respect for his prey. I was waiting for you to make me the first victim. (laughs) Uh, I, that would have been mean. I should have done it. (laughs) (laughs) hi john how are you i'm good (laughs) i forgot for a minute how to direct this part of the of the podcast good shady how are you i'm good i'm good i'm pulling myself together well this is actually a fan submission number five baby trust us we're slowly getting through them we're gonna do them So if you submitted one, look for them in the super future. (laughs) (laughs) This one comes from Thomas. He starts his his email saying, hey, here are some suggestions I have. Jaws versus Jurassic Park. Uh, Jaws is in the 70s and Jurassic Park is in the 90s. Uh, And then he goes on to do, to tell us more, but like, I want to hold off because Mm -hmm. we can discuss it. Because okay. maybe, maybe there are points that we both thought of or that we didn't think of. Okay, okay. So, so Thomas, hold on. We'll get to the rest of your email. <laughs> All right, so let's break it down first. Um, in 1975, we have Jaws, which was written by Peter Benchley and Carl Gottlieb based off the novel by Peter Benchley, directed by Steven Spielberg, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 98%. And a, <laughs> and a Metacritic score of 87. And that's out of 21 reviews, 19 positive and two mixed. Okay. <laughs> um, and the IMDb summary, when a killer shark unleashes chaos on a beach community, it's up to a local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer to hunt the beast down. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, that, it's not inaccurate. <laughs> And then in 1993, we have Jurassic Park, written by Michael Creighton and David, I believe it's pronounced Cop, if I pronounce that incorrectly. My apologies, David. No one corrects us. Yeah. (laughs) Based off the novel by Michael Creighton, directed by Steven Spielberg, with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 92% and a Metacritic score of 68. And that's out of 20 reviews. 15 positive, four mixed, one negative. IMDb summary. A pragmatic paleontologist visiting an almost complete theme park is tasked with protecting a couple of kids after a power failure causes the park's cloned dinosaurs to run loose. Are we going to totally write out Laura Dern? Yeah, apparently. And Jeff Goldblum and Richard Hammond and 
Samuel I mean, L. Jackson. And everyone else? Yeah, it's just it's just Sam Neill and the kids. Fuck. <laughs> That's only half the movie. I mean, I get it. That's like the action part of the movie for the most part, but like... And like, I mean, Dr. Grant is the main character. As much as this movie can have a single lead, it would be him. But like, that's really only a third of the movie. Yeah. Like, that's not a lot, uh, n- not even a third. I wanna say like maybe a quarter of the movie. Cause then he's reunited with Laura Dern real fast. Right. Also like, look how far down how deep into the summer you have to get before you get dinosaurs. <laughs> it's the fourth to last word in this summary is dinosaurs. Dinosaurs should, it, it just should have, the AMD summary should have just been dinosaurs. Thank you. That's it. That's all you Done. need. Easy. And honestly, the Jaws one could have just been shark. Shark. <laughs> one shark. Just the one for now. Ooh. We'll talk about that later. It's funny that you mention that, though, because obviously you're toying up the fact that there are sequels to it. Yeah. Going back to Thomas's email, <laughs> he, um, he does say that both secured a franchise. Yeah. Jaws has, what, four movies? Yeah, there are three sequels total. Plus, then, like, a ton of rip-offs that, like, are spiritually sequels to Jaws. Yeah. And then Jurassic Park has, like, the Jurassic Park trilogy and now the Jurassic World trilogy. Because the, the new one's coming out this year, I believe. Oh. The yeah. Something Dominion. I can't remember off the top of my head. Have you seen the sequels to either of these movies? Like, how many of the sequels have you seen? I've seen all of the Jurassic Park movies. Okay. But just the first Jaws? But just the first Jaws. I know about the other Jaws, but I've only seen the first one. Okay. I have seen all of the Jaws movies multiple times. I know I've seen Jurassic Park The Lost World, which is the second one, and Jurassic Park 3, but I don't remember much about them. So The Lost World is um jeff goldblum there's also a young girl who does gymnastics i remember that part that's the second one and that's when they bring a dinosaur to la okay and then the third one is tia leone and his name just slipped me i can't remember who played her husband i hate it when that happens that happened to me last time too (laughs) i'm just gonna fucking look it up oh william h macy yes william h macy thank you because uh, I was going to be like, he always plays a character. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he sure uh, does. They go to him, they hire Grant to look for their son. Uh, I think they're on Isla Nubar. I think we go back there. Okay. And um, they hire him because there's dinosaurs. The end. <laughs> Great. And then in the, the, um, the new ones, the Bryce Dallas Howard ones, B.D. Wong is a villain, so. I love that. I do love that. <laughs> it was, and it was really interesting watching him in this movie because, like... Yeah, he's a pretty neutral character, if not just yeah. a good guy. He's just there, really. Yeah. He's one of the scientists who helped clone raptors. 
Yeah, and he gives backstory, and he fight. I mean, the ba- only bad thing he does is like have a, a dis- uh, an argument with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, which like half a good half of like the first half of this movie is just like people having philosophical discussions. Yes. So it's just like an extension of that. Uh, well, since you broke down the Jurassic Park movies, can I do Jaws real quick? Yeah, go ahead. So Jaws 2, go. Jaws 2 is, in my opinion, the worst of the sequels. It's technically really probably the best one. Um, it's just that it's kind of boring. It repeats a lot of the same beats from the first one. And then we get to the other two sequels, which are both so freaking stupid that I love them. The third one... <laughs> Uh, no chief or Ellen Brody at all, but we do follow the Brody sons. Michael, the oldest, is now played by Dennis Quaid, who's about 10 years too old to logically be Michael from the first movie, but who cares? He's 30 years old now. <laughs> and he works at SeaWorld Orlando. And of course, the shark, a great white shark breaks into SeaWorld. And here's a twist. She's got a baby. So there's two sharks in that one. and it's in 3d of course it is of course it is um and then jaws the revenge follows mostly focuses on ellen brody uh chief brody is now dead and the shark in this one is strongly implied to be hunting down the entire brody family um in revenge for the previous sharks Unfortunately, Sean Brody dies in the beginning. He's the first death of the movie. And Michael now lives down in the Bahamas. And Ellen goes to visit him. And the shark follows her from Amity down to the Bahamas. So wait a second. I may have zoned out a second because like, <laughs> it's, it's too bonkers of a, of a movie. Uh-huh. Are you saying that the shark in the fourth one is the baby of the shark in the first one? Presumably. Or like somehow had a relationship to the shark from the first one not the second one though i don't i mean it's possible all of these sharks are from like the same family (laughs) and keep seeking revenge for their their mom or something oh my god and then the other important thing about jaws the revenge is that michael kane is in it uh and he did that movie purely for the money he did it for the paycheck Sounds sounds like our Pamela Voorhees. Uh, <laughs> and, and Ben Affleck. Uh, <laughs> shout outs, callbacks. Okay, so going back to Thomas's email though, he okay. says, I'm just gonna read them, read it as is, and then we could discuss. Uh, both are pioneering animatronics. Jaws was considered the first summer blockbuster ever while Jurassic Park was the highest grossing film at the time. Jaws raised awareness and fear of sharks. Jurassic Park raised awareness of archaeology. Both mild horror, both secured a franchise, like I said, both films actually manipulated real creatures and made them eat, made them scarier. Jaws had a shark that w- was much bigger than any great white and Jurassic Park made dinosaurs much more like lizards than they actually were. And then he says at the end of his email, hope this is a good starting point for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I I will agree with a lot of the stuff that he said. Mm-hmm. I might have to disagree with some of them though. Yeah. I think it's fair to just call Jaws outright a horror movie. 
Yes. And then Jurassic Park, an action movie? Action adventure? Yeah. I mean, there are certainly horror elements. The whole kitchen scene near the end is like pure horror. Terrifying. <laughs> I am 33 years old. I just rewatched it for this podcast. I was terrified for uh, what's her name's life. I for I, Lexi. Lexi's life. Like, yeah. And like, I knew the outcome because I've seen it before, but I'm just like terrified. She's she's in the thing and she's lowering the the thing and it's it's a reflection it's and <laughs> it's a reflection and the raptor like knocks itself out. Ah, oh, terrifying. Yeah. And like, it's like, especially gutting because at that point she had just like made noise to save her brother too. So you're like, oh no, don't tell me she fucking dies because she saved her brother. Right. I Okay, so I agree with him. Jaws was, the, was considered the first summer blockbuster mm-hmm. ever. But mm-hmm. I feel like, Thomas, I, I feel like you downplayed it because I feel like Jurassic Park reinvigorated the summer blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, it kind of became a new thing throughout the 90s and into the new millennium. Because we have that, and then uh, a few years later, we have another movie that we covered, um, Independence Day. And like from Independence Day on, there was always a summer blockbuster. Right, where... Uh, until was... like the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, it's it's... Kind of, because we had summer blockbusters before that too. Obviously, between Jaws and Jurassic Park, you have the whole original Star Wars trilogy. You've got Indiana Jones. Um, But it kind of feels like Jurassic Park started this new trend where the blockbusters were also focused on destruction, kind of. And action adventure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In a way. Where it's like people really running from danger and not just fighting other evil people, you know? Right. Um, but everything else I agree with, you know, um, even mm-hmm. though the even though the shark was kind of goofy looking, it was very, it, it, it was very, you know, scary at the time, I guess, for audiences. Yeah. To the point where uh, people stopped going to the beach and that's when pools became a big thing i'm sorry if that was a special feature of yours no it's like a widely known thing about jaws i didn't expect you to be surprised by that and then um yes jurassic park was spiked the awareness of archaeology but also the book did too yeah so not just the movie uh yeah, but there, there were like in the wake of jurassic park there were like a lot more college students who majored in paleontology because they were like i'm gonna be like dr grant and then realized that paleontology is actually way more boring than anything he does and there also are no dinosaurs, real dinosaurs. <laughs> there are no real dinosaurs. <laughs> but even that like getting digs and everything you have to do a lot of a lot of begging for grant money to do that <laughs> yeah there you, you can't have richard attenborough be, be, be right but what else did you find? I mean, there was the, there was one obvious one that I'm surprised that Thomas didn't mention is that it's man versus nature. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, two prime examples of the when animals attack subgenre. Right. However, they are done very differently because it's one shark mm-hmm. who we don't know anything. We don't have a backstory on it. And we're right. okay with, and we're okay with that. Yeah, no, it's just, ocean's fucking scary. 
Right. And then uh, Jurassic Park, man is playing God. Right. It's just, a I, little bit of a Frankenstein moral here. Which you mentioned earlier that that's part of the, um, uh, the, dis- the discussions in the first third of the movie or first half of the movie, really, where they're yeah. like, should man play God? Right. And can you really control something that was never designed, never created in the first place to be controlled by man? Yes, exactly. But uh, what else did you find? Uh, well, big one we haven't mentioned because we kind of already said it anyway. Both directed by Steven Spielberg. Welcome back to the pod, Steven Spielberg. Welcome back to the pod. It's been a while and um, it won't be too long. <laughs> Uh, both are based off of novels. Yes. I think both movies have the same body count. Am I wrong? I did not keep a count, but it feels about right. So in Jaws, you have Chrissy. Chrissy. You have, you have the, uh, Mrs. Kittner's kid. Alex Kittner. Um, you have Ben. You have the unnamed guy in the pond. Mm-hmm. And then you have Quint. Right. Did I miss any? I don't think so. Well, if you want to count Pippet the dog. I, I'm not going to count animals in this. Because, okay. like, if you were to count animals for Jurassic Park, done. I can't. There's, I know. There's, no there's, there's a lot of, lot of dino- dinosaur on dinosaur violence. <laughs> Stop dinosaur on dinosaur violence, everyone. <laughs> but, okay, so in Jurassic Park, you have the unnamed uh gatekeeper at the beginning right you have the lawyer in the on the shitter mm-hmm. you have newman. uh newman you have which is not his real name no wayne knight but yeah. nobody nobody knows who wayne knight is everyone knows who newman is uh you have samuel jackson and then you have muldoon right yeah i, I can't yeah. think of anyone else but I'm surprised that you missed something like what, in your comparisons. What did I miss? Iconic John Williams scores slash theme music. There you go. Like, holy fucking shit. It's a dinosaur. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what the fuck? And then the, the, like those, those are iconic. Yes. But like also coming from the same composer and being so iconic, they could almost not be more different. Right. Because Jaws is so sparse uh, and like, just like, this is just here to increase the fear and let you know to be on alert. And then Jurassic Park is like, (gasps) big swelling horns and string sections and isn't everything so wondrous. Well, that's because they're looking at <laughs> they're they're looking at the vegetarian dinosaurs, not the carnivores. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, there's also a, a character in charge who knows about like the first death and doesn't shut everything down. Yeah. Movies. Yeah, you you got uh, the person who's putting capital and profit over human life. Although. I'm not sure if that's more Hammond's fault or the lawyer's fault. See, I have such an issue with Richard Hammond as a character because he's so 
lovely and grandfatherly and he's like I just want to bring joy to children and I want everyone to love this not just rich people but like you could cure you cancer him. you could cure cancer with that technology and you're cloning dinosaurs without a thought about how that would affect uh, your local ecosystem affect everything right <laughs> so uh, like he, he's like He's well-intentioned, but he's doing some really bad things. Oh, it's so upsetting. I know, but he's so sweet and grandfatherly and he loves his grandkids, unless he secretly wants them to die. Maybe that's what this is all about. <gasps> Maybe. That would Maybe be horrible. Is he the evil genius? Ooh. Ooh. Um, I also, well, speaking of children, children are involved in both of them in some way. Yeah. Although in Jurassic Park, they play a significantly larger role than uh, in Jaws. Right. Um, in Jaws, there's really only one scene where the Brody kids, either of them, are directly in danger. Right. And then, like we talked about earlier, uh, Lexi and Tim are in danger the whole day. That that yeah. That's a day, by the way. That... Blow, I'm gonna blow your mind. And that's a that's a big difference though. Yeah. Like, every, everything that happens in the park is one day. <laughs> Granted, I did write as a similarity that they it takes place, both movies take place like I feel like in the course of a week. Cause like Yeah, J- or Jaws, it's pretty compressed. It's compressed, but like obviously it's a couple of days. Right. Because they, they have to like the 4th of July is its own separate sequence from everything else and everything. Right, like Chrissy is day one. Mm-hmm. Day two is uh, Nick, I want to say, or is that day three? Like something, stuff happens, but like yeah. it's it's not... Do you mean Alex? That too. <laughs> That's okay. The child. <laughs> so Mrs. I, Kittner's boy. Mrs. Kittner's boy. So like... There is some time, and then, you know, Mrs. Kittner puts up the reward and people show mm-hmm. up and blah, 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 blah. And she does, she slaps Chief Brody while wearing what looks like, it looks like she just came back from Alex's funeral. So that must have been a couple of days later, at least. It wouldn't be the same day he died. Right. And God only knows how many days they're on the boat. Mm. So, uh, on the orca. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I'm going to amend my my statement in saying that technically both movies do take place over the course of a couple of days yeah maybe, o- maybe over a week yeah even jurassic park because like you go to you, you have the beginning of them putting the the raptor in its cage um and then you go to the other island where they find the amber with the mosquito mm-hmm. and then there's the dig site so god only knows how much time is literally in between all of that <laughs> right before they go to the island Right, that could be a year, and then the island is a day. A day. Speaking of the la- the the archaeolo- archaeological dig, uh, both movies include specialists on the subject matter. Right, you've got a marine biologist, a paleontologist, uh, a paleobotanist, which I'll take is, it. It sounds like such a cool job, honestly. But also, like, that's, like, another thing that as I get older, I'm like, wow, that's really irresponsible that they were cloning the plant life, too. Because <laughs> that's going to affect the animals that 
are currently alive on this earth. And what was um, Jeff Goldblum's position? He was, he was another doctor. He was that. like a mathematician who specializes in chaos theory, which mm. I get why that's a good character to have in the movie, but why did they were, why were they the people trying to open up this park? Like we need a mathematician. Like I don't I guess under- more so about the chaos theory than the math, the math side. Yeah. Like I get, I guess for like probabilities and everything, but it's surprising to me because he's the one that the lawyer recruited, not who Hammond recruited. Maybe that's what the, um, the investors wanted. Because mm. like, yeah, uh, I guess I guess they want to hear probabilities for certain scenarios and stuff. Because that's a major liability for them. That makes sense. Yeah, you're right. Because like in Jurassic Park, those the um, Grant, um, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum, uh, <laughs> they have they don't have character names. Whatever. Uh, Alan they, Grant, Ellie Sattler, and Ian Malcolm. Yeah, Grant, Laura Dern, and <laughs> Jeff Goldblum um, are hired to see how the park works mm-hmm. before it's opened right. uh, for the public. And then in Jaws, uh, Richard Dreyfuss shows up because they want to kill the shark. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, how do you kill it? And then, uh, yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, go ahead I was gonna say both take place on an island hey yeah that's true Amity is an island I mean for the most part Jurassic Park is on Isla Nublar am I saying the name right I hope I I am I think so that's as close as I could get so um, which Amity Island I don't think exists no and no? that's, supposed, that's supposed to be like off of Long Island. And I don't think it, it really exists because uh, they mention they do mention Long Island in the movie and they mention New York City because Brody was a New York City cop. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jurassic Park Isla Nublar is off by Costa Rica. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, both movies also have a hunter character um, hmm. who ends up dying, but has like, even Quint hates sharks. He hates them, but he does sort of, it's because he fears them so much. He knows like, at least in this universe, how dangerous they are. They're not that dangerous in real life. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I mean, like, yes, they do attack people, but like, right. not but, unprovoked. Like, the USS Indianapolis was a real thing and most of the sailors did die because of shark attacks. Um, but that's like, that is a very rare occurrence. Um, sharks are way more likely to be killed by humans than to kill humans. Um, but in Jurassic Park, you've got Muldoon who he like, he has so much respect for the dinosaurs and he's like, like he really appreciates them and, and how good they are at hunting and like what perfect machines they like like even organic machines they are. Even his last line, he's like respect. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> good job, you outsmarted me. I got played. Kill me. <laughs> I deserve this. Which it which if you guys don't know is clever girl. Oh. 
that's a good line. Which can are you are you done with your point? Because I have one that I want I want to make real quick. Go into yours. Both movies have been memeified. Oh my god, to hell and back. Like clever girl. Um, and I think and actually going along the same lines, both movies have been misquoted. Yes, largely misquoted. Because like everyone says this was no boating accident. That's never said in the movie. It's this was no boat accident. And the other one, I wrote it down. Uh, you're gonna need a bigger boat. Everyone says we're gonna we're gonna need a bigger yeah. boat. That that one really bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut the shady, but on a personal note, Shady and I have been writing uh, gay fanfic and. <laughs> and uh, trio fanfic to both movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't really talk about Jurassic Park, but like, you know, when that car broke down with uh, Lord Durd, Jeff Goldblum and Grant, like they got, things got <laughs> hot and heavy. <laughs> yes. I mean, how could you not? How could you not? How could you not? They both want Laura Dern. We all fucking want Laura Dern. Let's be real here. Uh, duh. Laura Dern isn't there when the cars break down. That's right. They're, but they're in the same car during the tour. Right. Uh, and you, you know that when they were waiting for the dinosaurs to show up and they didn't, they, they, they did a little smooching. They were like, what are we going to do to kill some time? <laughs> turns, out, turns out your dinosaur tour is pretty boring. So we got to make our own entertainment. Let's turn this camera off. <laughs> <laughs> And then do you have any, uh, I just wrote, I wrote down match cuts in all bold and all caps. Ooh, yeah. So match cuts, Shady, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. is when in one, a scene ends with a character saying or doing something that is then answered in the next scene. So like, for example, if I were to, and a scene in Jurassic Park, actually, they, they start counting down for Tim on the fence where it's like one, two, right. three. And then Laura Dern in um, where she's putting the power back on, she goes right. four, five, six. Like that's a, that's a match cut, right? Yes, it is. And there, there are different versions of match cuts too, but that is one. It's uh, like one a good, that, ex- right. a good and, example. Like Steven Spielberg is very good at match cuts. He fucking loves that shit. <laughs> so like, I, I know, I, I guess what, with what you're saying, it's one of his signatures. Do you have any other similarities? Uh, one that uh, we kind of, like we touched on how there are kids in both movies and everything. And there is at least like one instance of a child going into like actual physical shock after an encounter with the Ooh, animal. Yeah. Cause like Michael gets hospitalized after coming into very close contact with Bruce and almost getting attacked by Bruce. Um, is, that name of the, is that the actual name of the shark? Or is that what they called it? That is what they called the machine shark. I guess if you want to be like precise, Bruce is the quote unquote actor and <laughs> the shark, is, the character of the shark itself has no name. <laughs> they, they did that in um, Jurassic Park as well with the raptors. They, they <laughs> oh, did they? They gave them names, but and I forgot what they were. Oh, but yeah, I, I hope it was like Abbott and Costello or something. No, it was something even more mundane, where it was like Neil and Jill or something like that. 
that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Michael gets hospitalized. Um, and like, I'm sorry, I don't know how that kid goes on through the rest of his life without like some mild form of PTSD. Well, he's done with after that. We don't see him again. Right. It's just, it's something that doesn't really come up, but I think should come up in the sequels, which all feature that character. Um, but anyway, uh, and then in Jurassic Park, it's most apparent with Lexi. Like she just straight up freezes up and like can't even hear other people uh, when the dinosaurs get too close to her. And like, she's even scared of like the vegetarian dinosaurs. And see, I thought you were going to mention Tim when he legit dies. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be real. These people are superhuman. They should have died at least five times over. Oh my God. Except for Laura Dern. Right. Laura Dern uh, is the one who most believably survives the movie. Yes. The other ones, like Tim in the fucking car that goes into the tree. I'm sorry. He's dead. He is at least in a state weakened enough that later on when he is electrocuted by 10,000 volts, he should die from that. He should not come back. No. But like, <laughs> it's Steven Spielberg. So probably right. Not. You gotta, you gotta have the kids survive. But yes, I, I did forget about Lexi. You know, with her, I mean, we don't really see her in the sequels. She comes up, I think, in the second one for like a bit part. Yeah, isn't it like, like a cameo? Yeah, and then that's it. So like... Yeah, but there is like, you know, she when the lawyer leaves the car, she just like kind of freezes up and just can't stop repeating, he left us, he left, he left us. us. Which because then you know the the dinosaur comes like I find I that's terrifying too. <laughs> Again, thirty three years old. I'm terrified of a of a movie that is like almost as old as I am. It's a oh, it's such a well shot scene though. It's such a well shot movie. Yeah, the whole thing is gorgeous. Um, I, I'm ready to go into differences unless you have one more. Or no, let's let's do it. Okay, so I caught. I called these movies uh, Spielberg's Surf and Turf because Jurassic <laughs> Park takes place on land and Jaws takes place on sea. I love that. So if you guys want to have a Surf and Turf double feature, I say watch these movies back to back. That's fun. I love that. We kind of touched upon this earlier, but in Jaws, it was just happenstance. Like, there, mm -hmm. not, it, it's, again, when animals attack, like you right. said. But in... Um, Jurassic Park, there's that line that, um, oh, what's his, Jeff Goldblum says, where he goes through, like, God creates dinosaurs, God destroys dinosaurs, God creates man, and all that, and that's basically, like, the thesis statement of that movie. <laughs> right. God kills, or man kills God, man creates dinosaur, dinosaur kills man. And woman then... inherits the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, woman inherits the earth. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, Sattler and Lex are major characters in the movie. Brody's mm -hmm. wife and Mrs. Kittner are secondary and tertiary. They are right. but a blip. Although Brody's wife, whose name I forget and I don't really care about learning, um, does help out in that one scene where Brody and Hopper, or Hooper? Hopper? Hooper. Hooper are like frantically calling Coast Guard and everything when people are in like the tourists are coming onto the island mm -hmm. she does help out so like yeah. and she does also 
play she steps up and plays a much bigger part in the second movie and then obviously the fourth movie she's the lead character but we're not talking about those movies (laughs) i know but uh, there is like at least like she is a secondary character in the first jaws but there is like a lot to build off of like she does get a full personality she gets uh we see a lot of her life and how she is with people she does have that one moment when like holding one of Brody's research books, she sees a shark attack a boat and she's just like, child, get out of the water, <laughs> get off the boat. Like she has, she in this one, she has like very little ebbs and flows. So I, I make, yeah. it sounds like though she becomes bigger. Yeah. Um, is she played by the same character in the rest? In the rest Lorraine of the Gray plays her for the whole, she's not in Jaws 3D, but she, uh, Lorraine Gray plays her in Jaws 2 and Jaws the Revenge. Well, good. Yeah. Good for them. Um, I also wrote down that uh, in Jaws, th- uh, the humans are only against one animal and they kill it. Whereas in Jurassic Park, every dinosaur was a threat slash perceived threat because of Lex. Right. She's just like, uh, after, I mean, she's the one that has the PTSD after the T-Rex attack. <laughs> yeah. so she's just like, fuck this. I don't trust any fucking dinosaur <laughs> at all. <laughs> Go the fuck away. <laughs> um, and, and then... sneezed on the poor girl. Uh, and almost falls when the raptor is, like, attacking them and they're crawling through the ceiling. She's the one that almost falls through and dies, like... Poor girl. And Who's then she's, she's the one who ultimately saves the day, too. Like, she ends up being the most valuable character because she figured out oh, the Unix yeah. system. Like, I mean, they put her through the ring. Is they sure she, did. Is she really the lead character? Mm. <laughs> I mean... You're, ma- you're making me question this movie in a way I never had before. I mean, Dr. Grant does go through a big character change yeah. because he starts the movie hating kids and even like sassing one who sassed him. And then at the end, he ends up treating both Tim and Lex as if they were his own. Right. Uh, yeah. like so, they were- so it's his movie because he's the one with the arc. The yeah. emotional But like, arc. she has a fucking arc too. Yeah. That's why... <laughs> Minority opinion, like the children in Jurassic Park are famously hated. Um, in all the movies, yes. Yeah. Um, I actually, I don't think Tim's that bad. And I actually really like Lex as a character a lot. Because I, she goes through that change. Like, I think she, she is annoying in the beginning, but because she goes through that character change, it's justified. Tim annoys me a little bit, but he's really not that bad. I just they, feel it. I just wish there was only one child. Yeah, I think I think you could condense all of that into the Lex character. Yeah, because like just don't have her literally die. Um, <laughs> but you can like that's what I think that's what they what they did with the second movie with the one child. Right. Where there's one moment where she <laughs> isn't she gymnastics into she a raptor? Something or kicks a raptor while like spitting on a bar. Yeah, something like that. Right, she gymnastics into a raptor. That's what that's called, right? Basically, yes. <laughs> um, and then the last thing that I wrote down as a difference, and it's only in really, oh, wait, actually, it's a similarity now that I think about it. Ooh. 
both movies passed the Bechdel test. Hey, that's and fun. I got. I, I'm gonna post this. I need to also share it with you. Um, I found on TikTok at Cinemegan uh, makes a kind of funny argument about how like the different ways that um, Jurassic Park passes the Bechdel test. And one of them is the scene where the Velociraptors are talking to each other. The only like a requirement <laughs> of the Bechdel test is that the characters have to have names and the Velociraptors, the characters do not have names. Oh no, she makes, well, and then, uh, well, she first starts it seriously where saying that Sattler and Lex have a conversation with each other, not talking about men. Right. Um, Cause that's base, that's the base rule, right? It's two yeah. named characters not talking about men mm-hmm. uh, throughout the whole movie. Right. <laughs> the two named female characters, I should say. But then she goes off of the rails by call, by talking about the, different the dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Yeah. Lex, Lex talking to the, um, not Lex, Sattler talking to the Triceratops. Uh, I, I also want to point out, I don't think she mentions it, but um, even at the beginning when Grant has two quote female ends to a buckle and they, and points them to each other, they're clearly having a conversation right there. <laughs> not talking about men, so. What was your example from Jaws? There's that one lady that is not Mrs. Kittner, but um, she mm, she has a name and I forget. It's like Pam, I think. Uh, I should I th- know this. I've seen this movie hundreds of times. She she does something with the town council at uh, the town council meeting. I mean, yeah. like maybe she's like a local reporter or something. But she, I think she's the one that's like doing the gossip. Right. Talk, Are you ta- you're talking about the lady who says, I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's funny at all. I think so, yes. Uh, I've got one more difference that I think is compelling enough to bring up. Uh Uh-huh. So Chief Brody obviously is a father and a lot of his motivation comes from sort of wanting to be, wanting to provide a safe community for his children. Um, And one of the most touching scenes in the movie and to me, one of the scenes that really defines the movie is when he and Sean are sitting at the table and Sean's imitating all of his movements and they're making faces at each other it's one of my favorite depictions in film history of a relationship between a parent and a child and there's no dialogue um and it's like really one of his defining features is his fatherhood and then sam neill uh alan grant is not into kids that's like his whole thing which we mentioned you mentioned before that he has to learn how to take care of these kids, even though he hates them at first. For Brody, the most like heart-wrenching thing is like he sends his older son to the pond thinking it's gonna be safe there. Mm-hmm. And that's when the shark attacks. And he's just like, I fucked up as a as a parrot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's his actual subtext, but like you can no, read it as yeah. I fucked up as a parent. We need I mean, that's like also his motivation to like um, kill the beast, if you will. Yeah, that that kind of, he wants to stop the shark to begin with. He doesn't want anyone to be attacked, but that's when it's like, it's personal. <laughs> oh man. So was there anything else big that we need to bring up or do you want to move along? 
let's move along. We've we've gone off the topic. <laughs> we sure have. All right, so in special features, typically we each take a movie and we do our own separate research on our respective movies. And we try to find tidbits of trivia and backstory that we find interesting and we want to share with each other, hopefully surprise each other and you, our audience. I'm not gonna lie, I'm just regurgitating shit from IMDb at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of what I do too. I try to put, I try to, research a little bit deeper and then um i don't i had jurassic park it's like pages upon pages of trivia same with jaws oh my god there's so like to whittle it down to just a few because obviously we don't want to run this episode for like a month Mm -hmm. um it is that just go i I, we're gonna preemptively just say go read those trivias i guess Mm -hmm. because we can't do it justice. There's just so much shit about both movies. Yeah. Some of them repeat. And there's also, you know, some of it was easy to cut out just because it's like, oh, that's a fact about the movie that's extremely well-known anyway. Like, right. I'm not going to make one of my fun facts about Jaws. Like, oh, they named the shark Bruce. Or like, they'll tell you the exact model of the car in Jurassic Park. <laughs> and I'm like, right. no, I... As a, as a fun trivia for this section, I don't want to say that. Yeah, that's something for car aficionados. Car aficionados, we're movie aficionados. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's do, let's do the best we can. So as you said, you took Jurassic Park. That means I took Jaws and Jaws came out first. So I will go first. I'm excited. So- <laughs> So one of the most well-known facts about this movie that's just sort of been heavily mythologized uh, because if things went differently, Hollywood would look a lot different today than it turned out to be. Um, And that's that this movie was a pain in the ass to work on and everyone hated it because- Oh, of course. Nothing worked. Uh, Steven Spielberg, was still a fairly new director. He had mostly done TV and like one other movie before a feature length movie that was like way scaled down, nothing like this kind of production. And he had in his sweet naivete, sweet summer child, the idea to film this on open water instead of in a tank. <gasps> I mean, you can tell though. You and can it, tell. As a, it, you, I do appreciate it, but there's... It's too, that's too expensive, right? It's so expensive. You spend a lot of time putting your crew and cast out to sea far enough so that, you know, you don't catch the land in the back. Um, so you, 12 hours of work, they were lucky if they got four hours of filming done. Um, and that's not counting all the times that they had to scrap a shot because some sailboat came into the shot that's not supposed to be there. Or, or- it rained. Right. Uh, A bunch of cameras broke down. The shark famously did not work the way it was supposed to. And it all kind of worked out. It, it, It was so horrible, such a horrible experience for the cast and crew. But it kind of made the movie better because that's what forced them to shoot a lot of it from the shark's point of view because the shark puppet itself didn't work. So they were like, 
okay, so I guess the camera is the shark now. Let's look up at these people. And that's something that adds so much suspense and tension to the movie. And it worked really well. Um, also, there were so many days where they had to delay shooting something with the shark because the animatronic, again, wasn't working. So they would just, at the last minute, write some dialogue and shoot a dialogue scene instead. Notably, the entire monologue that Robert Shaw as Quint gives about being on the USS Indianapolis was written the night before because they were supposed to be shooting shark stuff that day and the shark wasn't going to be able to work. So they were like, fuck, we got to do something with these guys on this boat. So uh, Carl Gottlieb started working on this piece of dialogue and it eventually turned into this nice long monologue for Robert Shaw, who gives a brilliant performance. Uh, It's like utterly chilling to the point where Richard Dreyfuss, uh, no, sorry, not Richard Dreyfuss, um, Roy Scheider has said that he didn't act in that scene at all, Roy Scheider. He was genuinely that gripped by uh, Robert Shaw's performance that it was just exactly, it was better than if he was just playing Chief Rhodey and trying to pretend to be that enraptured by the story. Damn. That worked out really well because that's one of the most most famous scenes from this movie. Um, And it really makes Quint's character work too because it gives him personal stakes against the shark. Um, It explains a lot of his attitude. I think he is too irascible and unlikable for much of the movie. Right. To not have a scene like that, that sort of redeems him before he dies. That's also around the time that they um, bond over their scars because they're hetero men. Yeah, yeah. Cooper in the book dies. He is torn to pieces by the shark while he's in the cage. And that was what they were going to shoot for the movie. They shot that with a stuntman in a cage in shark-infested waters in Australia. And they got this really amazing shot of a real shark rolling over the cage and that they were like, this shot is so good. We have to use it in the movie. The problem was at that point, when the shark got that close, the stuntman had swum away because he was fighting for his life. So he's not in the shot at all. So it became this thing of, well, we want to use this shot, but then Hooper can't be getting killed in the cage if we use this so then they were like we'll just rewrite the ending and have him pop up and oh man he he got away he's alive that explains so much because he's just like i'm gonna hide by this coral okay bye. Right. And, and then just wait until the shark until bruce is dead and pop up <laughs> that's when i'm gonna make my appearance yep so um quit not supposed to originally die or was he always supposed to die Quint was always supposed to die. Chief Brody was supposed to be the only survivor. Uh, I, I kind, I kind of like it when Hooper that Hooper lived because then, they're when they're swimming back to shore, it's a nicer shot than just one person by himself, I, all depressed. And scared. I agree, and and I, I like also that they do kind of keep it a little mysterious. You're a little bit like, well, is Hooper dead? <laughs> Where'd Hooper go? Why hasn't he come back yet? And and then and then they kick off into the sunset to start their loving gay relationship. What? They're gonna move to Vermont and open up a cupcake bakery together. With next to the Von Trapp family resort. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am so full of callbacks tonight. I don't I didn't mean to. It happens, ma'am. 
Showtime synergy. What? <laughs> um, and then another thing I found out that I was surprised by the line, you're going to need a bigger boat, which is arguably the most famous line from the movie. Uh-huh. That was improv. Shut the fuck up. He just, he just threw that in. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, so I thought this was very fun. This actually relates more to the novel than the movie itself. But when Peter Benchley was writing it, he had a lot of trouble coming up with what he thought was a good title for it. Working titles that I found include The Stillness in the Water, Leviathan Rising, The Jaws of Death, and The Jaws of Leviathan. Eventually, Obviously laying on Jaws. Right. Uh, but what I think is really funny is that at one point he asked his father, Nathaniel Benchley, for a suggestion. And his father said, what's that notion on my leg? What? What's that notion on my leg? That was his title uh, option? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Kid, I think. And, and Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> um. So obviously we talked a little bit about how the summer of 1975 saw a sharp decrease in beach attendance, largely attributed to this movie because people were terrified to go in the water. Um, And unfortunately, in the years since there has been an uptick in shark hunting or shark overfishing, um, which unfortunately has also been attributed to the popularity of this movie and the novel rude yeah uh peter benchley and steven spielberg have both gone on record saying that they regret contributing to that in any way um they wouldn't have known though yeah they well that's the thing at the time a lot of what hooper says about the shark were the leading theories about shark behavior and especially great white behavior and it's only since this movie was first released that a lot of it was actually Great whites have this whole social hierarchy and they do have this way of emoting and they do have this way of how they hunt and what patterns they hunt by and everything. And a lot of what's in the movie is old facts. It's no longer fact. It's all debunked now. So at the time, it was scientifically accurate. We now have better information that says it's not scientifically accurate. Oh boy. So that's unfortunate. Um, and guys, stop. I mean, I don't know who listens to this podcast who hunts sharks, but don't hunt sharks. Or tell people, to, or if you know somebody who hunts sharks, tell them not to hunt sharks. Yeah, they're just, they're just big. They're, unless, they're... We're, we're, I'm going to add this caveat, unless a shark attacks someone you love, then hunt that shark down. Right. That's an eye for an eye. And right, that's, right, right, right. And that's what this movie is doing. Great whites do understand vengeance. We know that because of the Jaws series. So. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's kind of a sad note to end on. So I don't want to end there. I will end with this story instead. The actress who plays Mrs. Kittner, years later, like 20 years later or something like that, she walked into this random sandwich restaurant and she noticed one of the sandwiches on the menu was the Alex Kittner sandwich. Aww. Which she was like, weird coincidence. Uh, let me talk to this guy who owns this place and just be like, hey, I played Alex Kittner's mom in the movie. 
And it turned out the guy who owned the restaurant was the actor who played Alex Kittner. You shut up. And it was the first time they'd seen each other since uh, since shooting the movie. And it was apparently a very sweet little reunion for them. So I so, liked that. I didn't want to end with sharks being overhunted. So. And I have a sexy segue Ooh. for Jurassic Park. Okay, so warning. All of these are from IMDb, so take it with a grain of salt. If I'm wrong, I mean, no one's corrected me so far, so. <laughs> uh, apparently, Spielberg considered Richard Dreyfuss for the role of Grant. Wow. Also, Harrison Ford turned down the role of Grant. And I read that in two different trivia, so I'm pretty sure that that's true. Mm-hmm. I could see why he wouldn't want to follow, like, he just finished playing a very famous archaeologist i could see why he wouldn't want to then play a paleontologist (laughs) yeah um and i pulled this uh the these next few literally just from imdb so i'm gonna read them verbatim okay uh director steven spielberg wanted the velociraptors to be about 10 feet tall which was taller than they were known to be According to an artist involved in pre-production, Spielberg requested this change because he was unhappy with the size uh, of what was considered the largest dromaeosaurid at the time. I'm so sorry, I'm not a paleontologist. I, <laughs> I yeah, uh, at, at the time, Di- Dinocus and wanted it to be bigger. Another reason was to make the raptor more menacing. During filming, paleontologists actually uncovered 10-foot-tall specimens of raptors called Utah raptors. Spielberg also wanted the dinosaurs to be bird-like, for example, snapping at attention like a chicken. He, uh, he wanted the raptors to turn their heads so that they could look behind them at, to make them even to make them have a scarier appearance. I swear I can read. Um, Spielberg likened the raptor tapping its claw to Morse code to any raptor listening. So that last line, I don't know how it works in with the, with the, the bird example, but right. like, um, I, I don't know any animals though that use their claws as, or beaks as Morse code. So I, I don't know if they, they might have their own version of Morse code that we, or something. And yeah. I, our, our puny human brains do not comprehend. <laughs> but I just, I just found that all interesting. Cause that like, that's is. a, that also is, I mean, now we know more that they were more like birds and the real des, um, look of raptors, they had feathers or feather-like things on them. Yeah, yeah. They, they've, since this movie, they have uncovered fossils that have what appear to be feathers around the, the body. Yes, and that that is a big discussion between Grant and Tim throughout the beginning of, of yeah. like, uh, uh, well, the beginning of the time in Jurassic Park. Right, and uh, there's even that whole shot near the uh, end of the movie when they're flying off from the helicopter where Grant is like looking at the pelicans that are flying Yeah, around. and they mentioned the pelicans earlier. Yeah, they mentioned condors early on. Condors, that's what I meant. Um, okay, so this next one, I'm like combining two uh, trivia facts together. Because it involves the Triceratops. Ooh. Um, the guests encounter the sick Triceratops 
uh, ends without any clear explanation as to why the animal is sick. Michael Crichton's original novel and screenplay, however, included an explanation. The Stegosaurus, which was supposed to be, which was the animal in the book. I'll say that again later, probably on accident. Uh, slash Triceratops lacked suitable teeth for grinding food. And so like birds would swallow rocks and use them as gizzard stones. In the, in the digestive tract, the, these, bleh, these rocks would grind the, the food to aid in digestion. After six weeks, the rocks would become too smooth to be useful and the animal would regurgitate them. When finding and eating new rocks to use, the animal would also swallow West Indian lilac berries. The fact that the berries are stones are, well, sorry. The fact that the berries and stones are regurgitated explains why Ellie never finds traces of them in the animal's excrement. And like I said, the stegosaurus was supposed to be the animal, was the animal in the book. Um, uh, said by Ian Malcolm to be sick because the Jurassic era had, uh, the Jurassic era air had more oxygen than the Holocene part of the chaos theory. Huh. So there's two, there's two different, two different explanations there going on. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I also read that the, now woman who played Lex uh, was interested in, was very interested in dinosaurs that she actually worked with an archeologist for a while to. Oh, cool. And then my final, and this is just stupid, stupid fun, but Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum appear in another franchise movie, a little thing called Thor Ragnarok. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Goldblum plays Jeff Goldblum, basically. Right. And Sam Neill plays actor Odin. Right. Which Sam Neill did that because Taika Waititi's most recent movie before Ragnarok starred Sam Neill, uh, The Hunt for the Wilder People, which is a great movie, by the way. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're, Taika was like, do this, do this fun thing with me real quick. And Sam Neill was like, all right, yeah. That's, I also, that's my best Sam Neill impersonation. I also read that the actress who played Lex, whose name I, I'm totally blanking on right now, and I'm so sorry mm-hmm. um, if she's listening to this. The only, she, um, there was a trivia fact about how, uh, how she auditioned for the role, mm-hmm. like how her audition went. And basically Steven Spielberg, when looking for the, when looking for actresses to play Lex would make them scream just because he wanted to make sure that yeah. they could actually be scared. And she claims that she got the part of Lex because she screamed so convincingly and so loud that she woke up Steven Spielberg's wife <gasps> at, who thought that children were in danger. Oh no! And I also, I also read, going on about her, like there's so much, so many facts about her. <laughs> Um, is she running that IMDb page? Probably. <laughs> but uh, 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 so you know that scene when they're finally in the visitor center and they are the he, she and Tam are eating, and she sees the sh- the shadow of the raptor and her arm starts to shake. Yeah. 
that's actually somebody shaking her arm because they didn't trust that she could actually do it on command. Right, not convincingly. Convincingly, yeah. Right, because you could do it too much or that's funny. So I love that. Again, everyone, there, these are just a few that I that I wanted to share, yeah. especially because I wanted to blow Shady's mind. Like <laughs> Ariana Richards, by the way, is her name. Ri- yes. Um, I have one last thing that I didn't know whether to like say this as a special feature or just an observation that I had. When I went to IMDb to look up Jaws uh, and you go under suggested titles, they first suggest all the other movies in the series, but the very first movie after that that they put under uh, suggested movies is Jurassic Park. Which is a sexy segue to final thoughts, I guess. There we go. You did it. Better than me. Huzzah! <laughs> sexy segue! Okay, so moving on to final thoughts. Uh, we typically ask the same four questions or a variation. Five. Five questions. I'm very good at this job. She can math. It's fine. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. You're not oh. the math. Ian is the mathematician. <laughs> you're just shady. You're, sp- you're the movie aficionado. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let's just get to it. First question, can we think of other movies like these? I can think of two, personally. So there's this little movie called The Meg, which is about the Megalodon, Mm -hmm. another uh, shark or shark-like creature. I don't know how to classify it. Megalodon's a shark. It's a prehistoric shark. So like it kind of combines both movies in a way because it's about a shark and it's, like you said, prehistoric, like the dinosaurs. (laughs) Um, but also there's a book about it. So kind of like follows the same pattern as these two movies. Yeah. Well, there's even like a whole little gag where there's a little Yorkie dog that uh, we presume to be eaten by the Megalodon, whose name is Pippet, the name yes. of the retriever who gets killed by, presumably gets killed by the Great White in Jaws. And like uh, you can- The Yorkie survives though. That's the gag. And like um, they tease the shark the whole movie, which is what- Jaws accidentally, I guess, did according to your trivia. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Armageddon. I've been told Armageddon is Jaws in space. Hmm. Okay. So in- instead of against, I mean, I know that we're saying that it's when animals attack, but like what happens when real space attacks? Not like Mar- look what we did last episode. <laughs> no aliens, no nothing. Like a legit giant rock meteor is heading to earth and humans have to stop it. So mm. I okay. I could be wrong. I mean, we could do another episode where we like get come around to this, but probably not because we have other ones planned. I might have a different movie we could pair that particular movie with. Does it work as a one that are, are like these two? Uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't know, because I've never actually seen it. I just know that there was another Asteroid is Coming to Hit the Earth movie released the same year as Armageddon called Deep Impact. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never seen Deep Impact, so and I don't know if it's based off a book. 
certainly not directed by Steven Spielberg, but. Well, yeah, that's, and neither is the Meg or nor Armageddon. Right. Um, I think kind of piggybacking off of Armageddon a little bit. uh, This movie is directed by Steven Spielberg. It's a movie we mentioned last week and it's War of the Worlds. Um, Again, it's a threat from space. It's not a threat from our own world but it does focus on one man and his children. And so that sort of reflects Chief Brody a little bit, but it also sort of reflects uh, Sam Neill, uh, Dr. Alan Grant to a degree too, because he's estranged from his children. So he has to like Mm. learn how to bond with them again while also running away from these tripod. Alien. Right, yeah. Um, and there, there is like a scene that's very similar to the raptor kitchen scene um, where they're hiding. They've got like those weird, like, I don't even know what they're called, but the tripods have like these camera things, these mechanisms that like can come and search for people. And I've Tom Cruise. I've never seen this movie. <gasps> it's better than people say it is. It's not Spielberg's okay. best, but it's better than people say it is. Also based off of a book. Um, mm. Again, like I said, based off of. Is where the world's. A book? I thought it was a radio thing by Orson Welles. Book first. Was a book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then Orson Welles famously did the radio broadcast, which people thought In... was... Ah! Which people thought was real, which I is like... Scared the shit out of them people! <laughs> you, accidentally, you accidentally did it! <laughs> you accidentally did it, too! <laughs> but yes, like... it was... It was originally a novel by H.G. Wells, not related to Orson. Um... But the thing with the the radio play is Orson Welles did it like it was a real-time radio broadcast, and that's what tricked people into thinking it was real. That's what scared the shit out of everyone. Right. Um, So I'm going to throw that in as a similar movie, even though it's aliens and not animals. I'll allow it. My favorite, my favorite shot in the Meg is when Jason Statham turns into Aquaman and the other sharks like go attack and he's like posed in the water and the other sharks like swim by him to attack the Meg and um, there isn't that in Jaws because Steven Spielberg didn't think of it so it's kind of an inversion though of the end of Jurassic Park though because they're saved from the Velociraptors by the T-Rex oh larger than them and in the meg the sharks are smaller than the meg but they outnumber the meg true 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 all right second question did we like these movies yes however i feel like jaws is just like a little too long Mm, okay interesting i like i feel i feel like they could have tightened it up just a little bit two hours and four minutes like come on Oh, that's another thing we didn't even mention. They have similar run times. But like with Jurassic Park, it doesn't feel that. I'm going to disagree slightly uh, just because Jurassic or Jurassic Park, I really like a lot and I wouldn't change anything about it. Um, I just like Jaws better. Jaws is one of like my top 10 movies ever. Um, that's fair. I'm, I don't, I'm but, sorry to like... No, no, it's fine. Your, your movie. We can have different opinions. I, I, I think, because uh, I think a lot of it too is like stuff that was thrown in because they didn't want to waste a filming day. That's true. But, and it, and it, I have a weird thing about like certain movies in like the 60s and 70s where 
I'm already kind of biased against them because they it feels they have a different pace than what I'm used to. Mm, I'm almost I'm biased towards movies from that era because I prefer that pacing. I prefer so, that style. But like this one is not a stereo. It didn't feel like a stereotypical '70s movie. But like I feel like it could have just been tightened up just a little bit. And like knowing now about the right written dialogue because Bruce wasn't was like being a diva. Right. Um, I I get it. So Right. I just think for me it works. I really love all of these characters. And I if you cut that stuff, you lose a lot of what I like about the characters. But so. like but like it, it matters to me when Quint dies because we just spent so much time finally getting to know him. And it matters to me to hope for Hooper to still be alive because we got to see his little journey as the, the plucky scientist that nobody really likes. It's not, it's not their dialogue. It's like other dialogue that happens earlier or like, um, like what, uh, there's certain things that happen in real time that I'm just like, you could cut this down. Oh, no, I love all that stuff. Shoot more in real time. I hate the way movies are paced now. <laughs> Damn it, Shane. I, I hate the way movies are paced now. Uh, but it's interesting you say that because this was the new Hollywood era of filmmaking. And Jaws is part of that, but also part of the reason why the new Hollywood era broke down and no longer is how Hollywood is run um, because it created the blockbuster. And after that happened, and especially after Star Wars happened, that's what filmmaking in Hollywood turned to. So the 70s are typified by this style of filmmaking that's very auteur-driven, uh, very character-driven, very atmosphere-driven. And then because of Jaws and Star Wars, we got to have action. We got we to gotta show a spectacle. Everything right. needs to happen super fast. Um, and Don't I, get me wrong. I, I do like it. I really, really like it. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just complaining because I'm a millennial and I need to complain about something. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and your your complaints are completely valid. Thank you. for yeah. Thank you for hearing me and my thank, complaints. Thank you. you. <laughs> um, I just happen to disagree. This is like one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it is a perfect movie and that if you changed anything, I would no longer love it. Um, but that said, your opinion is also very valid and very well observed. Next question. Would we watch these movies again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm surprised it's been a while since I've seen Jurassic Park. Oh, I can't it's... remember the last time I watched it. So like, yeah. I'm so, Thomas, thank you again for making us watch these movies. Yeah. Uh, Listen, I'm mad. Both of these movies, good, clean, fun for the whole family. Because um, it's Spielberg. Spielberg, Yeah. And like if, even when he tries to do horror, it's not horror. Like right. it's so cute. <laughs> like my 10-year-old niece, my seven-year-old nephew, my five-year-old niece, and my two-year-old niece all love the movie Jaws. I'm so proud of them. They have a great, they have a great aunt. They uh, they this is like a whole family-wide thing. I was watching Jaws <laughs> when I was far too young for it <laughs> because my parents liked it so much. Um would we recommend these movies? I mean, I don't know anyone who hasn't seen them already. Right. But if you but if haven't. If you haven't. <laughs> Jinx, you make coke. Uh, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but if you haven't, fucking stop what you're doing. I'm surprised you listened to the whole episode then. 
Right. Go watch these movies. They're classics. They're classics. Even though one is made in 1993. Oh, calling it a classic. Uh, <laughs> it's almost, almost it's almost 30 years old. <laughs> oh. Um and finally, are these movies actually the same? We're playing a game of chicken right now because neither of us wants to be the one who says it. They have a ton of similarities. We li- I think we listed more similarities and differences than any other episode, personally. Right. Unless and- it was like Fifty Shades and Twilight. Like that episode, I think we had, we were just like, it's the same movie. Why, why right. But... I mean, it's it's the same director, so it's not surprising that he uses a lot of the same filmmaking tricks. But that said, a lot of them are tricks that he doesn't use in all of his movies. Right. Because he doesn't always make like he's very diverse in uh, the the genre that he works in. You know what? I want to say that um, Jaws walked so Jurassic Park can run. Mm hmm. Because like, cause you you mentioned that Jaws was his first like big feature film. Mm-hmm. And obviously he, and you said that he was somewhat inexperienced as a director. He had TV and one feature under his belt. So like- right. Which was nowhere near the same level of production. So like he, I feel like he learned a lot on that one. And then in Jurassic Park, he's just like, this is what I've learned in the last 20 years. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, and Jaws was the movie that ultimately made him famous and made him successful. He probably wouldn't have a career if this movie didn't turn out as it did. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel that they're the same? Here's genuinely how I feel. I want to say yes. And then I keep thinking that last episode, I said that Independence Day and Mars Attacks were not the same. And I don't know how I can say that these are the same and those aren't. Well, I think I, I, I think I justified it for you. Like I said, like Jaws walked so Jurassic Park could run and he learned. And yeah. I'm going to I'm going to say yes, they're the same. I mean, yeah. Let's, um, let's go for controversy. They're the same. Well, I mean, we also didn't even talk about the ending of Jurassic Park. We talked, we kind of talked about um, with with doing, well, I don't know if it ends up, uh, but we didn't talk about the endings of the movies where they both are leaving the wreckage that they've, uh, and the damage and the the trauma that they had. Right. Yeah, there's there's no like ambiguous. Right. There's no like epilogue that like helps wrap it all up. It's just sort of it's over. Let's just have our final like gasp of relief and then credits. Cause like when they're swimming away in Jaws, they're like shooting the shit and everything, right? Yeah. They're like, haha, that was terrifying and we're gonna have nightmares about this forever, but that's and then- fun. And then in Jurassic Park, everyone is silent in the helicopter. So you know what? I think I've got to... Fucking A. Thomas, Thomas, you broke us, I have to say. I want... I'm going... I'm giving it a hard, hard yes. Okay. I'm going to agree with you. There's... There there are point-for-point similarities throughout Mm -hmm. that we've talked about. Yeah. 
I mean, the only big difference, well, the big differences is that, like I said, the surf and turf, and then there's more animals in this in Jurassic Park than in right, and, and like they kill the shark, but like who know? Well, obviously we know afterwards, but in 1993 nobody knew what happened to the dinosaurs left on that island right but if you guys disagree with us about our our justification as to that they're the same you can reach out to me on twitter at movies john you can find me at cookie O'Shady. do i have to ask i'm i'm feeling saltwater taffy more than cookie that's, because that's a, that's allowed jaws you can i i <laughs> i feel like when i ask you that question i should just be like what dessert are you today instead of what mm. cookie i'm gonna I think i'm gonna it would be easier amendment. for me to think of general desserts and not cookies every time because I, so, I keep like repeating cookies i'm gonna try and amend it from here on out everyone you hear me say that maybe i'll put it in our outline <laughs> uh but you can also email us as as the podcast we are movie deja vu pod at gmail.com that is m-o-v-i-e-d-e-j-a-v-u-p-o-d at gmail.com we're on facebook and instagram at movie deja vu pod and we're on twitter at movie deja vu no pod why shady it got chomp chomp chomped by something with very big teeth Oh my God, I love you. <laughs> uh, and if you want to be part of next episode's discussion, we're going to be talking about West Side Story versus Bring It On, In It to Win It. You heard me right. West Side Story, the classic 1961 film, versus Bring It On, In It to Win It, which I believe is number four. In the bring it, it is. On. Yep, I'm pretty sure it's the third straight to video sequel. Oh, I and I think I'm the one that suggested this. So you I sure really were myself. So Shady, let's go uh, get a bigger boat and make sure we go faster. Funny, that's not funny at all. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Da, 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 da. Da, da, da.